realize that you can watch all of the shit that's out there. Don't let either company trick you into thinking it's a us versus them thing. Just enjoy the wrestling. Whether it's WWE or AEW or NXT, you guys don't have to choose. You can watch it all. That's rad. Fight forever, Guardian! I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hi. Welcome. HIC Talk Radio. Dan. Craig. Roscoe. Behind us. Amber, with he, he's got Amber. Uh, we both have a little Roscoe in our background today. Um, if you love ch- dog chins, you look at <laughs> Craig's you look side. At my screen, yeah. You like shadows of the Watcher. Look at my side. But uh, <clears throat> that's all we're going to talk about. That I'm sorry, I had a gas bill, but that wasn't actually me trying to break up. I'm doing that all day, so I'm not going to do it now. But anyway, welcome to HIC Talk Radio. Plenty of wrestling talk coming, but first things first. We uh, spoke a little bit, when I say a little bit, at great length last week <laughs> about one Mr. Ben Benjamin David David Simmons. Simmons. And mm-hmm. uh, we were of the mind, like, listen, we don't care about the past, even the, you know, the recent past, if you were going to play for whatever reason, whether it's just because you have a contract or to trade that contract, I don't care as long as you play to the best of your abilities. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Well, in just one week, <laughs> we've gone from got open place to, you know what? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Even us that said it. So apparently this man came to practice mm-hmm. and then didn't do anything. Well, Kane DePrac is Dan with a cell phone in his back pocket. Good start. Which is, which is, which is a no-no. That's a great start. Yeah, and uh, made it clear that he wasn't, after a day when he seemingly was engaged, uh, the very next day, uh, his lad, he wasn't not engaged at all. And even refusing to, uh, after Doc... Asked him to participate in drills, mind you, just some some drills. He refused to do even that. And so uh, Doc, being a good coach, like any good teacher would, if you're not going to participate, just go home. Go and get the fuck out. Go to fuck home. Yes. Uh, he and, was fined lots of monies. Yes. And he's sitting for four games. Yeah. Which brings me to this this little quandary, this little problem we have here with Mr. Mm-hmm. Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't want to play for Philadelphia. Great, understood. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. G, 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 you're ruining your own trade value doing this. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get what the point is here. Sorry, that was very. Yeah. Dirty. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, and that's what um, we, what we, like you said, we're we're. In a quandary here because 
but the thing is, it's not really that uh, hard a concept to understand. If Ben Simmons, my favorite basketball player, he's my favorite player on the Sixers, my favorite on my favorite team. If he no longer wants to be a 76er or take part in this whatsoever, the only way out is you. Because sitting out already, he's already down $1,575,000 already. Now, he's got four years on his contract that's worth $148 million. So obviously $1.5 million is, is he could find that in the cushions of his couch. Sure. It's not that it's a drop in the bucket. The money isn't the issue. But the longer you sit out, you're, me- you're sending the message to 31 other teams that if this guy quit on on this team, he'll quit on us. So in order to get out, and I know people are saying, well, just trade him. Like, it's, if it for was what? that easy, if it for was what? that easy, I yeah. Guess for, yeah, for what, but if it was that easy to trade Ben Simmons, he wouldn't be here by now. He would have been here the week after he said, I don't want to come back. He would have been gone this summer if it was that easy. And again, for what? The other thing you have to understand, I'll make two points and I'll let, I'll let, it, let it drop. The trade Ben Simmons, the superstar of his caliber, and regardless of what you think of him, he is a three-time All-Star. He should have been, but was runner-up to Defensive Player of the Year. He is the best perimeter defender in the NBA, period. You're not going to get equal value for him. Give me examples. Did Houston get equal value for James Harden? <laughs> who was just who was just named one of the seventy five greatest basketball players in history? Nope. Did Cleveland get equal value for Kyrie when he left? Did Cleveland get equal, even equal value for LeBron when he left? No. So we're not going to get equal value no matter where he goes. So that's just going to be a given. But for Ben Simmons to get out of Philadelphia, the the quickest way possible, show up to work practice and play your ass off play yourself make yourself so valuable that teams will be fighting to get you like they were last year when everyone thought he was going to be gone by the trade deadline but Simmons didn't miss a game last year up up until the trade deadline he didn't so Ben Simmons key to getting out of Philadelphia is Ben Simmons because holding out does nothing for him Sixers have all the power you can sit on your ass for the neck. Guess what? You signed a four-year contract. You can sit on your ass for the next four years. Ain't costing us a dime. Costing you a dime. We're gonna go, we're gonna move forward. If Ben Simmons wants out, Ben Simmons has to come in, ball out. He'll be gone by Christmas. That's it. And that's the way it is. And that's the way it is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't again. I was all for him playing. Of course, but of course, if he doesn't want to, mm-hmm. in the immortal worlds of uh, Wild Bill, well, bye. <laughs> I couldn't support the guy anymore. There's yeah. nothing more I could do. Again, even with all that anger, there's mm-hmm. like there's nothing more I could do for this. No. So. What it is is what it is. Yes. So that and, was our uh, little update on Ben Simmons. Yeah. And for everyone else wondering what's going on, to quote uh, the great Ted Knight, 
Well, we're waiting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're waiting. Yeah. And every day is something new. But for right now, first game of the year, and this has been the longest summer in NBA, recent NBA memory for me. So, but I'm oh back. We're ready to go. First game of the year for the Sixers. It's work day for me. This is what I want to work. And this is, it's also game day. Uh, and we're here to play, but we're also here to talk about wrestling because this is a wrestling podcast. Yes, so, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We have plenty to talk about. So, with that being said, the first head-to-head with SmackDown and AEW happened this week. Granted, it wasn't for the whole time, but uh, AEW got preempted by NHL. (laughs) Just like they are are tonight. Bizarre gaming, how is it going? It's going, it's, it's okay. It's been a long 48 hours. This is cool, and I appreciate that. It is cool. Well, we're here to talk about wrestling. So welcome to, since 2012, best independent wrestling podcast you've ever seen. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Anyway, uh, AEW and WWE numbers. Immediately thought of you, Craig, because the ratings the ratings war is as powerful as it's ever been. Both, both federations struggling to break 800,000 viewers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a million is no longer guaranteed. A million viewers from any from from AEW or uh, the WWE would be a major, major win. Uh, and I, I can't believe it's we're talking about this now that uh, the when we see the ratings for um, AEW and SmackDown first time going head to head, the two major shows, and you know, and see what what drew and what what didn't draw. And SmackDown, the, the 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 caveat being that SmackDown wasn't even on Fox, it wasn't even on a major network, or one of the five major networks. It was on FS1, where whom a lot of people and I had to tell a lot of people they didn't know where it was on their on their dial. I actually didn't know much, that. I didn't even yeah. know that. Yeah, ah. it was on. <laughs> yeah, SmackDown this past Friday was on FS1. It was not on uh, uh, Fox. Regular is preempted because of uh, the uh, American League Championship Series. Ah, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And rightfully so. Uh, but SmackDown still uh, did uh, close to eight hundred thousand, and uh, while A and E Dynamite did on their regular on their regular channel on TNT did uh, less than six hundred thousand. I didn't get the full numbers, but around there. But uh, and that was actually down. AEW's, AEW's numbers were down from the previous week, so they lost about a hundred thousand viewers. So, <laughs> so bad. As, yeah. So as much as people want there to be, especially Tony Khan wants there to be a war, a wrestling war, the return of the the Monday Night Wars or Friday Night Wars, that is not what's happening. Or at least that's not what happened this past Friday on their first head-to-head meeting. I I would love it to be. Mm-hmm. I'd love it to be. That ain't happening. Yeah, and we all and then, would because. Yeah. No, I was gonna say. Let's talk about that for a second. You had CM Punk. You had Brian Danielson. You had Alistair Black. All those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruby Riot. Uh, uh, Ruby Soho. Now uh, Ale- uh, Malachi Black, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, all jumping or just signing. Mm-hmm. We can't cons- consistently break a million. 
no, but you know, and it goes to um uh AEW's uh I won't say booking, but planning on where they're where they're going to be or what they're you put it this way. SmackDown ran with they ran a half an hour later uh, to yeah. cut into AEW's. Okay, so to counter that AEW, uh, put Punk first. I get it. You get you got to go with your your, sure. your money. All right. But when they had that half an hour all to themselves, they had uh, Ruby Riot, and nothing against. I'm not knocking Ruby, but that would have been a Brian a Brian Daniel match and with punk uh i'm not saying the bloom is off the rose already but we've already seen him wrestle um and nothing they guess his opponent mad side out obviously they've known each other for a long time and if punk is picking his because when punk said he wanted when he came to aew there's people he wanted to work with and if punk is just going down the line of people he wants to work with that's great but if you're aew uh when's that going to get old and right now, it's not seeing Punk wrestle now isn't the draw it it used to be, even though the guy's been off for seven years and he's had like four matches in seven years. That's not moving the dial anymore for AEW. So if you're going to use Punk, why not someone other than Matt Seidel? If you're going to open up with that, um, and in your when you have the, the audience, when I all yourself after you've gone head to head with with uh, SmackDown, have something for when people switched over after SmackDown went off the air, switch over to AEW, have something again, not knocking Ruby Soho, but that wouldn't have been a match that I would, you know, tune in to see. Um, unless you're a hardcore Ruby Soho fan. My biggest issue, Dan, was our main event. It was the was the eight man or six man tag team. With uh, Chris Jericho's group against um, uh, Scorpio Sky and uh, somebody else, and um, Junior Del Santo, who was a former UFC heavyweight champion, he's making his pro wrestling debut, and you put him on at 10:45 on a Friday night in a six-man match against a 55-year-old. Dude, you could have made. Me I didn't too. care, so I didn't watch it. <laughs> I didn't. I. I just because, but I'm. I, I'm not even a UFC guy, but I know the name Junior Del Santo. I know he's yeah, not so a. Do I, yeah. You can make money off of that, and it not only uh, you you blew it by not making money because obviously there's no pay per views anymore, and I'll get to that wrestling historian in a second, but. If you want to pop something, make that your big draw. Junior Del Santo, former UFC heavyweight champion, legitimately one of the toughest men on earth, is making his pro wrestling debut. Make that yourself going into your first head-to-head. If you if you, if you can't do Punk, if you can't do Danielson, or make Punk, Danielson, and Junior Del, Sol, Del Santo in that one hour, make those your three big matches. For your first time going head to head, I that's that's my problem. That's my issue with AEW. They have all these pieces, and they're still looking at a jigsaw puzzle. They just put all these pieces on the floor, and they haven't even made it any attempt to put them together. They'll just stare at these pieces on the floor. 
And as a viewer, that's all I'm seeing. I'm seeing jigsaw pu puzzle pieces on my screen with no clue of, with no one behind, like, okay, you got to put this together now. So it makes a picture that we want to see. I have no, I have no debate. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you, did you watch the show? Did you watch no. both shows? No. Okay. No, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I watched the, uh, you know, I went through the YouTube clips so I could see what I wanted, but um, I was busy last week anyway, which then of course morphed into. Right. Uh, so I haven't, I'm so behind on everything. I understand. Didn't well, watch I, wrestling I, this and, week, so. well, Dan, you missed absolutely nothing. <laughs> because I when I but the days I miss wrestling unless something happened on social media because now if you did you just go to Twitter or Facebook or something if something big happened you will see it I'll hear about it you know so but nothing happened nothing big so you didn't miss anything you know and, and for something good I mean it's not I mean usually it's like I don't want to the last time I missed wrestling I heard you know Ricky Starks broke his neck and I said, oh, geez, what the hell happened? I go, oh, okay. Because it was shown over and over and over again. Yeah. But, By the uh, way, this is what happened. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, nothing. Uh, the first head-to-head -head, um, between SmackDown and uh, AEW, completely uh, uneventful and anticlimactic. I watched both shows. And, was, again, the, the show. The, the glowing Smackdown. review is killing me. <laughs> The SmackDown, if it, it if it's not Reigns Heyman, uh, there really is nothing there for me because that's that's really the the draw for me and Becky. Uh, Becky, since she's come back and since she's been a heel, um, really good stuff. But um, that's it. There's no there's no wrestler that I want to see. There's nobody on the screen that I you know got to tune in to watch. Unlike the last time, there was primetime wrestling wars my issue is that craig like with all these names mm -hmm. like what are you gonna what do you do next what, what the hell do you do next i i don't know and i've been asking myself that about uh aw for quite a while even after even after they acquired the big three, after they got um, Adam Cole, Baby, um, Brian Anderson, and CM Punk, um, what do you do next? You know, I, I believe they're completely wasting Adam, Adam Cole, um, Baby, for what he's doing. Um, I think they're they're using Brian Anderson the right way. Uh, he's already in the uh, wrestle the the top guys already wrestled Omega. And been in the ring with him, and we can see a, their rematch being a big, a main event in one of their big pay per views down the line. Because um, the first one was great and great TV, and it was a it was a great match, and obviously the fans want more, so you've got that in your pocket. Uh, but, um, but what happens with? with it with everyone else that you have you know are you going to keep if this is what punk wants wants to keep going down the roster with guys he wants to work with that's great but it's going to get old i mean as it got old to the live crowds obviously because they still 
go nuts over cult of personality, and why wouldn't they? And you have Punk on TV every week. If he's not wrestling, you have him on commentary, which is great. Um, but you either got to give him a better quality of opponents or give, or give him an angle. And what's going to happen, Dan, when – I'm saying when. I'm not even saying if anymore. When Bray Wyatt shows up or, or when Braun Strowman shows up or when Ric Flair shows up. <laughs> well, two out of three of those, I could care less. <laughs> the Bray, the the uh, Wyndham thing, I'm very interested in. Yeah, uh, that I'm very I, interested in. So I don't me know. too. And even with the guys that they do have, um, I I don't know why they're burying Andrade. I thought he and Alistair Plack were like on the same level of of talent and. Uh, Especially when you give Andrade Chavo, who's already known to all the fans, even though it's hard. I, uh, Andrade's a heel, but everybody wants to cheer Chavo, obviously. Um, so that's kind of a, a rough mix. But uh, Alistair Black seems like the only one that they're that outside of Danielson. Alistair Black is the only one they're using properly, you know, and if they're using him the way that you know. Heyman uh, thought that it would that it should have been uh, Black, um, Alistair Black, when he was in the WWE. He wanted him to be the guy to stop Brock. Uh, Vince didn't see it, and so you got Drew McIntyre, which was a great choice um, to to stop Brock and for that huge push. But um, but, but Alistair Black is a guy I've always been been high on, and they're using him the right way because. He comes in and beats everyone. That's it. He doesn't give the other guy a whole lot of offense. He doesn't make it look like a competitive match, you know, like he did with Andrade. So um, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Yeah, I I don't know where there is to go from here. I I don't know what comes next. It's, no. I've kind of, it's just, in my mind, it's already fizzled out. So I don't know what they can do to bring it back. Hey, uh, unless they start pushing the guys that they, they brought over for a reason. And if uh, get Adam Cole away from the Young Bucks, get him away from now he's part of the Stooge Act when he's a solo guy. You know, I, I was in a tour. Twitter has a, a live thing now where you can discuss other. Uh, I, I think it's through our uh, Twitter page. I got into a group of uh uh, fans and they were, they were talking about tag team wrestling so you can t- hit on twitter and you're with eight to ten other people and you can hear other people talking and oh stuff. god spaces yeah spaces i got into a not a a verbal a passionate verbal exchange about my disdain for the young bucks and um how i don't i guess you have to be born in the 90s or the 2000s to think that they're the best tag team in the world or even a great tag team. But I got into a a verbal sparring match with with, uh, fans or or they were talking about tag team wrestling. He said, you got to include the young bucks. If you're talking about great tag teams, you got to include the young bucks. It's like, no, you don't. You, you, you really don't. He said, well, they're an inspir They're, they're inspiring, you know, a lot of tag teams. And I responded, they're inspiring. They're inspiring a lot of high schoolers to get trampolines 
in their backyard so they can practice their flips and their dives and to be spot monkeys. And eventually when they're 19 or 20, they get, they'll call themselves professional wrestling, professional wrestlers. And that ain't how it works. That the young bucks grew up idolizing the Hardy Boys because they had a trampoline in their backyard. But guess what? The Hardy Boys learned how to work. The Hardy Boys learned how to tell a story. The Hardy Boys weren't just flipping and getting in the ring without a tag, spending 10 minutes doing double teams on the guy while you bury the referee. And they're also not spending 20 minutes outside doing other stuff to get all their moves in because that's not wrestling. And you want to see the difference between what passes for wrestling now with the Young Bucks and what was tag team wrestling? Look at FTR. That's wrestling. And do you honestly, guy, if we're thinking about the greatest tag teams of all time, how long? I'm talking in seconds would the Young Bucks have lasted against the Road Warriors? Or even the Dudley Boys? Like, are you effing serious? Because even if you were, they call themselves tag team wrestling, if a shoot happened, are you putting any type of money on the Young Bucks? The Young Bucks couldn't even take the ding-dongs in a fight. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the when the when the AEW decides to make FTR the focus of the tag team division, when Adam Cole, uh, Brian Danielson, and CM Punk are in a program that makes sense, and that the with AEW for some reason is allergic to rematches, they can't. You know, they don't want to put the same guys together again. Um, that's where it goes down. But it's all it's all about the booking. The AEW, they, again, I said at the top of the broadcast, they've got all these pieces, but it's still a jigsaw puzzle. No one's even attempted to try to put them together. Now, the WWE, that's a whole other problem. That's a, a 75-year-old man should not be in charge of a wrestling program problem. Nope. Not anymore, he shouldn't. Yet here we are. In 2020, still talking about it. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Well, let's uh, let's take a trip back, shall we? Take over. Ah, oh, who was that masked man? Who was gentleman man behind the <laughs> behind the mask telling? Who's behind the mask telling the stories of wrestling's past? Yes, I'm a poet. Yes, get it. Uh, gentlemen and ladies, uh, now's the time where we uh, dispense with the present and look back fondly in a sport that we've used to come to know and love and come to be known as professional wrestling back when it took place in all 50 states, in coliseums, in stadiums, in high school gymnasiums, sell out crowds as far as the eye could see. And when big money matches happened, they were on a pay-per-view. Once it used to, yes, you pay-per-view wrestling was a thing. What? <laughs> once every four months, and then even once a month, but pay-per-view wrestling was where wrestling and wrestlers made their money. That was way back in the time where before something called sports entertainment, this gentlemen and ladies, is the wrestling historian. Uh, we're going to start off uh, October 17th, 
1999, the No Mercy pay-per-view, the Gund Arena in Cleveland, uh, was a match that reeks of Vince Russo booking all over it. Um, it was yeah, for the Intercontinental Championship match, China went up against T. Double J, Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental Championship in a good housekeeping match to uh, uh, draw, to uh, pay attention to the, the fact that China was a woman, because in case you didn't have eyes or ears or had no such thing, uh, no such you know concept that China was a woman wrestling Jeff Jarrett, a man, um, let's play up that fact and make the match um, a good housekeeping match where the match where the ring was littered with household objects. Well, Jeff Jarrett hit Especially China one with, like Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Dan Calachico, folks, he's here all week. Um, with Jeff Jarrett hit China with the Intercontinental belt, and uh, but the referee refused to pin, refused to count the pin because the belt was not a household object. Later on, stupid. China so winning. Later on, uh, speaking of stupid, later on, China would actually win the Intercontinental Championship by hitting Jeff Jarrett over the head with a guitar, which is also not a household object. But for these matters and this circumstances, it worked. And China pinned Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental Championship. This match was... Um, more so, it became famous more so for what happened backstage because Jeff Jarrett at the time, folks, who was the reigning Intercontinental Champion, was wrestling China on this pay-per-view October 17, 1999, without a contract. His contract had expired. Uh, so he was free to go to WCW, where he would wind up anyway, with the Intercontinental Championship. And uh, the WWE story was that Jeff Jarrett would only wrestle if he shook and he shook them down for uh, an untold amount of money. He would only do the, the show and do the job for China if he got paid this amount. Jeff Jarrett's version was since he was leaving the WCW anyway, he just wanted the pay-per-view money he was owed. Because you see kids back in the day when pay-per-view were the big money market item for a wrestling company um, back when you actually, there was pay-per-views on cable television um, where fans paid not only the live shows, but on your cable networks, the ref, the wrestlers would get a sizable bonus for how well the pay-per-view drew, but they wouldn't get those bonus checks till usually weeks or months later. Well, Jeff, because he was leaving, just asked Vince, well, all the pay-per-views I've done I haven't got just give me what I would have made from that, and then I'll go and then I'll drop the belt to China and then I'll go. The WWE saw this as Jeff Jarrett shaking them down uh, for money, but Jeff just wanted the money he was owed. Uh, and back then, pay per view for a lot of for wrestling for wrestlers from the time pay per views became a thing from '85 till the early '90s um, to the early 2000s, I should say. Uh, was a big deal, but thanks to the WWE Network, there are no more pay-per-views. There are no more big pay-per-view payoffs. Nope. 
and uh, that's a thing of the past. So, uh, but on this particular day, October 17, 1999, Jeff Jarrett, wrestling without a contract, lost the Intercontinental Championship to China in a good housekeeping match. Ugh. Uh, ugh. <laughs> and then the very next night... <laughs> <laughs> on Monday Nitro and from choose. the air conditioned spectrum in Philadelphia air conditioned beautiful Philadelphia spectrum much to the chagrin of Marcus Alexander Bagwell was the debuting Jeff Jarrett with a guitar over the head of Buff yeah uh, can't believe it was here but he got a sizable pop even though Philadelphia is not a Jeff Jarrett crowd, a Jeff, a Jeff Jarrett stronghold. Uh, he made his debut here in Philadelphia uh, very next day, October 18th, 1999, on a Monday Nitro. And um, I went nuts watching it, uh, the sizable noise in, in Philly, but still to see Jeff Jarrett the day after a pay-per-view, almost shade to Lex Luger, seeing a WWF wrestler on a WCW pay-per-view the very next day. Uh, was a big deal. Uh, it's it's funny because I re I recall that the reaction was kind of oh. <laughs> oh uh Craig were you in the movie called The Intern? I was. Oh, <laughs> bizarre game. It goes. But I looked up Craig Legans and popped up an actor from a movie. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what movie? <laughs> he goes. The, the the intern. He was a janitor. I was like, what? I don't remember that at all. Apparently, you were. <laughs> Yeah, and it was, and I know the it, the title can be misleading. It could be very many things, but it was a legit close-on uh, movie um, that was a short film uh, that I did. Actually, I did on my uh, during my lunch break when I worked at WHYY. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I'll be right back. <laughs> be in a movie. Give me a guess. Come here, long, long lunch. Uh, yeah, the give me five, I, ten minute extra minutes. Uh, I was a janitor in a top secret. You know, the FBI, CIA, and there's like a, a, a different division that's yeah. also very clandestine. Well, I was sure. a janitor there. So every week there was chaos and I was in charge of getting rid of the, uh, the after a gunplay in the office, yeah, you were, I was in charge. Of getting uh, rid of the you, were, you were the body disposal. Body yeah. Disposal. yeah. I had to care. I forget the young lady's name. Very nice. Very sweet. I had to drag her legs, drag her out five times. Uh, five straight times to get sorry about this. Yeah, <clears throat> sorry. I guess I'm so sorry. Um, Victor Nash on YouTube says, What's what I'm going to try to word this correctly? What guys? Oh, he was he wasn't. See, I had to read it out loud for you. Never mind, Craig. Victor Nash is from Miami saying hi, and he remembers when pay per views were once a year, like the first three or four WrestleManias. Are you guys doing any predictions for Crown Jewel or Bound for Glory? Uh, we are not because I am not um, caught up in the last two weeks because of a personal issue. Uh, so no predictions this week. We should get back into rest, uh, wrestling pay-per-view predictions. Yeah. I, well, Victor, I can, I can, my prediction for Crown Jewel are very simple. Um, the main event, uh, which should be at a big stadium, um, maybe survivor series could have used it uh brock lesnar versus roman reigns with paul Heyman hanging in the balance because they've told that story very well 
Um, well, this is a big stadium. Yeah, uh, but it's not it's a big American not, stadium. Yeah, it's not in this country, um, and it's going to be on the cock at twelve thirty afternoon on a Thursday. Um, so that's not that tomorrow. Idea. Yes. Oh well, I guess I have something to do tomorrow. Crown Jewel is tomorrow, but again, uh, Rick, um, Brock Lesnar, and Roman Reigns. By the time when Brock Lesnar came back for SummerSlam, that had made that stadium like that's a stadium main event right there. And they already had a stadium main event, Brock and Roman Reigns did on WrestleMania a couple years back. So here's the rematch. All set with Paul Heyman. Is he managing both guys? Who Whose corner is he going to be in? You have a built-in storyline right there. But no, let's all get a money grab and go halfway across the world to a place we may or may not get back out of safely. And if you're Jewish, Paul Heyman, it's not really the best place for you to be anyway. But yeah, let's. Um, and if you're a woman, you know, I don't even know. Not so much fun either. Not so much fun either. Uh, Charlotte and Becky and Sasha. But. Yeah, so I my prediction for uh, Crown Jewel, Victor, uh, Roman Reigns will still be uh, champion after this. Sure, shit um, better be. <laughs> because uh, Brock Lesnar is not going to be uh, in the WWE. Ah, Victor yeah. says, I believe Brock wins and we get a rematch between Brock and McIntyre. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I just don't see Brock Lesnar staying in the Sticking WWE. For it. Yeah. I think the reason Brock Lesnar came back to the WWE is the huge payoff he's getting for tomorrow's show because the, the crown jewel was booked. I think it was uh, we have crowned um, Brock, would you like to come back? No. Well, if you come back on this date, uh, by the time you crown jewel comes around, we can pay you this much. Okay. I'm back. Top knot, man bun and all. Here I am. Hey, hey, I'm a step away. Just saying. But yeah, so that's my prediction for so uh, no crown, top knot, Ben. Uh, for, man bun. Got it. Yeah. For for, for crown jewel, uh, Roman Reigns retains. I I like that scenario, Victor. I just, they haven't done anything with Drew McIntyre to warrant a main event. Uh, rematch. Yeah, but he's got a sword. And yeah, and they already have Drew versus Big E. Uh, the for the Raw Championship at Crown Jewel tomorrow, and they seem to be sold on Big E, which I'm not. But what do I much know? Much to your chagrin, I'm glad they're sold on Big E because I enjoy the shit out of that. Yeah, I understand. Anyway, back to uh, <laughs> October seventeenth, nineteen ninety nine. that was it. Uh, we're moving on October. All right, 18th, moving 19, on. <laughs> October eighteenth, nineteen ninety nine was Monday Nitro on the debut of Jeff Jarrett. Uh, October ninth. I just would point out real quick, sir. It was also the debut of Ferrara and Russo in WCW. And that's where it all went to hell. And that's why at least Al Kogan wasn't there. Yeah. But, and that's why I skipped it. Uh, that particular date in, uh, wrestling history. Cause got it. I'll a, move on. then. It was a dark day. Um, <laughs> <What's> it was? <laughs> October 19th, uh, happy belated. 26th birthday to a woman I see who could be, have a huge future in the WWF, WWE if used correctly. Happy belated 26th birthday to Tony Storm. Uh, a phenomenal talent. Hey, whoever stole her gear, give it back, you douchebags. 
<laughs> or was it Tony Storm's? It was Tony Storm's gear that got stolen, right? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. But she's got it back. Uh, today, uh, there's two more things, but t- today in wrestling history, um, just a, a, a little indicator of how quickly things can change. Uh, today in wrestling, in 1989, Kerry uh, Von Erich defeated the Punisher for the USWA Texas Heavyweight Championship. The Punisher uh, is, of course, uh, Mark Callis, the Undertaker, under a mask. Um, and uh, that was October 20th, 1989, uh, at the Sportatorium, where um, Kerry Von Erich defeated the Punisher. Also on that card was Terry Gordy uh, against Al Perez. That was October 20th, 1989. Al! Uh, Al. Uh, the Latin heartthrob. But seven years later, exactly seven years later, on this date, October 20th, 1996, 25 years ago, Dan, with the WWE In Your House pay-per-view. In my house? Uh, in, all, in all of our houses. But it okay. featured the first ever Buried Alive, buried alive match. Uh, another uh, match that reeks of uh, Vince Russo. Uh, the first ever buried alive match between the Undertaker and Mankind, and now the Undertaker would uh, tombstone, pile drive, and throw Mankind into a shallow grave and throw dirt on him to win the match. But after the match, Undertaker was attacked by a squadron of people, namely uh, Goldust, Crush, Bradshaw, Triple H. But it was a masked man named the Executioner who hit the Undertaker from behind with a shovel threw him into the grave. The other guys came and piled on him. He was buried. Uh, Of course, the hokey stuff had to start when a lightning strike hit the uh, ground and Undertaker's hand came out and it's a soap opera, yada, yada. But the executioner, a guy making his WWE debut under that mask was Terry Gordy. Who seven years earlier... Really? was on the undercard when The Undertaker was under a mask as the Punisher. Seven years later, Terry Gordy would be under a mask attacking The Undertaker. So, I did he make any other appearances the WWE? I think he did it. Uh, I think he did a TV taping and a few house shows, but um, but he, he's never wrestled as Terry Gordy in the WWE, unless you count the 1984 run, the Brief run of the Freebirds in the rock and wrestling era, yeah, but uh, I mean, technically, than, yeah, okay, yeah, but uh, but that was the only time Terry Gordy ever wrestled. You just in. You, you blew my mind and Victor Nash on YouTube. You blew his mind. He, that was Terry Bam Bam Gordy. That was Apparently Terry Gordy was. under under wow. the mask as the executioner. Exactly seven years to the day that he wrestled on an undercard that uh, on the same card that the Undertaker was under a mask. As the Punisher, seven years later, it was Terry Gordy under a mask attacking the Undertaker. Uh, if you want to know how good Terry Gordy was, if you look up his run in ECW mm-hmm. and see how fast and quick, and, and I mean that in a good way, man yeah. could still move like he was 20, and, and, that, and he yeah. still looked good. And, and that was right before his death. And that was after the, the stroke he had, and that was after the um, he was in a, a, a temporary, I hate using the word temporary coma, but he had lost a lot a of quick his... quick uh, coma. Yeah, 
uh, lost a lot of his motor functions, but Terry Gordy in ECW, um, still, and I, I, but I, I, I said this when he was, uh, alive, Terry Gordy was just a, um, he was the fastest big man in the history of wrestling. No 300 pounder ever moved as fast as Terry Gordy from rope to rope, from buckle to buckle. There was no one faster than Terry Gordy. And like I said, I want to, you, you know, the you freak of nature. Uh, Terry Gordy was just that. Terry Gordy started when he was 15 years old. And at 16, at a legitimate 6'4", 295, he was wrestling Ernie Ladd. 17, he was wrestling Andre the Giant. Um, and he, when he and Michael Hayes just formed the Freebirds, uh, Terry just turned 20 and Hayes was 22. So you're not going to see wrestlers like Terry Gordy anymore starting that young and that physically gifted because I, even at 16, again, 6'4", 290, he looked like a grown man. And you're 70, you're 16, 17 years old in the ring with Ernie Ladd. And at 19, you're in the ring with, with, with Andre the Giant. You're main eventing uh, the Superdome when you're 21 years old and you still have the largest crowd in Superdome history on August 2nd, 1980 when uh, the Freebirds went up against Dusty Rhodes and Buck Robley and the main event was Michael Hayes versus Junkyard Dog and the uh, blindfold in the first ever dog collar match when Dog was blinded. But Terry Gordy was, was 21 and he sold out to Superdome. He'd already been in the ring with Andre the Giant and, and Ernie Ladd in his teens as a youth. Uh, Terry Gordy, folks, uh, he can get swept under the rug as being part of the Freebirds, one-third of the greatest six-man tag team of all time. Um, they were the most innovative tag team in wrestling history. I say that now. I know last week I said it was the fabulous ones, but this week it's the Freebirds. Uh, the Freebird rule started under him. I was going to uh, say, to be fair, we did mention the Freebird rule as well. Yeah, which was pretty, which was completely innovative at the time. So exactly, it works. And still, yeah, and it's still being used to this day. It started 1980. Here is to 2021, and any three man team can hold a tag team championship. Uh, but uh, <laughs> skipping over that, Terry Gordy, uh, the single quickest big man in professional wrestling history, and legitimately one of the greatest workers there ever was, because he started again when he was 15 years old. And you're not going to get that anymore. I don't know if it's a Southern thing. Uh, you're not going to see any 19-year-old wrestlers in the big leagues anymore. I'm laughing. I'm not laughing. You know, I was laughing at Amber picking her spot. Speaking of wrestling. Yeah. Speaking of wrestling, you got to pick your spot. But, I mean, you're not going to see uh, a 17-year-old, um, a, a guy starting his career 16 years old in the ring with, with grown men like Terry Gordy. Yeah. You're not going to see a 17-year-old Bobby Eaton, you know, uh, doing jobs and eventually main eventing against Jerry Lauder when, it, when they're 18. Um, you, you're you not going to see that anymore. And guys, or even a Jerry Lawler starting when he's 19 against the main event guys. And I obviously those two men that I mentioned, Bobby Eaton and Terry Gordy, are rare and increasingly special specimens that you're not going to see anymore. And those guys, especially with Gordy and, and uh, Eaton, didn't go to wrestling school, didn't take any classes. They were just two naturally gifted athletes. And as far as Bobby Eaton, it was just him watching wrestling on TV 
and then he goes in the ring and does it and does it better than men twice his age and continue to do it for the rest of his career, be better than everyone he was in the ring with and learned and taught. And Terry Gordy was just physically stronger than everyone he went in the ring with. He's 17 years old and he's body slamming men that are, you know, twice his age. Uh, you're not going to see that type of guy anymore. Uh, another thing you're not going to see, I can't believe I missed this, Dan, but because this was a big day in wrestling history. So I got to go back. Fans, forgive me. I had to backtrack. I have to go back to October 4th uh, on this for this fateful on this fateful day, a day that changed wrestling, uh, might have changed it forever. It kind of got glossed over, but it really shouldn't uh, because of what happened and who would happen to. Um, and to backtrack a little, um, in 1975, the Mid-Atlantic region was one of the most profitable ones in the NWA. They were just starting to get their footing under um, matchmaker George Scott. And uh, Jim Crockett Promotions had taken over the booking, and uh, they were getting some major uh, notices, and they were drawing amazing house shows, and uh, their TV ratings were huge in the Carolinas and Richmond, Virginia, uh, and up and down the East Coast and in Georgia. So much so that they uh, they were in there because they were making so much money, they decided to uh, start chartering private planes to get the wrestlers from back and forth to have them avoid car accidents on those backwards country roads. Because traveling in the mid in the mid-Atlantic area, you had to go through both Carolinas and Richmond, Virginia, and that's a lot of driving. So they tried they started chartering oh, private 95. planes. Oh I can't even in those days, oh I, I don't even never mind. So on this particular day, October 4th, 1975, a private plane was chartered um, to go just to travel from Charlotte to Wilmington, uh, North Carolina. And I guess the pilot underestimated the fuel he would need and the plane crashed. On that plane was um, David Crockett, uh, the brother of uh, the promoter, Jim Crockett. Uh, Bobby Bruggers, who was a rookie, a former football player who just started, who was just starting in the Mid-Atlantic as a heel. Uh, Johnny Valentine, who was the main event, uh, main event wrestler in the Mid-Atlantic at the time, and who had been a main event wrestler for, at that point, about 25 years. He had wrestled uh, Buddy Rogers many a times, um, all the greats, Luthez had a big feud with uh, with him, with um, he wrestled Bruno. He had wrestled all over the country in Japan. He was huge, but Johnny Valentine was the main event star in uh, the Mid-Atlantic, even though at this point he was in his 40s. Uh, a rookie wrestler who already had won the Mid-Atlantic tag team title with Rip Hawk, blonde-haired kid, little chubby, could stand to lose a few pounds. Uh, his name was Ric Flair. I was going to say, wait a minute, I wasn't on that plane. Was on that train. Uh, but the guy that uh, was also on that plane, and the only baby face, I might add, was on that, was Mr. Wrestling Tim Woods was on that plane. The, again, the only baby face. Well, I said the pilot underestimated how much fuel he needed uh, and for all those people in his plane, and they never made it to Wilmington, and the plane clear after it took off, cleared a bunch of trees 
and it crashed. Uh, a terrible crash. The pilot was killed instantly. Uh, David Crockett suffered uh, several broken ribs. Uh, Bobby Bruggers uh, was paralyzed. He never wrestled again. Johnny Valentine was uh, paralyzed, lost the use of his legs, um, wrestled, walked with a cane uh, the rest of his life, and, and uh, he never wrestled again, despite being the biggest star in the territory. As we know, Ric Flair broke his back, uh, was told he would never wrestle again, but yeah, proved, everyone, proved everyone wrong. Again, the physical. Uh, I, I use the term freak of nature. Ric Flair's shown, proven over and over through his time that he is uh, practically invincible, especially the way he's abused his body over the years. Um, but uh, he uh, he made it through. But the guy that uh, was the most pivotal in this entire plane crash was Tim Woods. Uh, because when uh, news got out that there was a plane crash involving the wrestlers, uh, it made the front page of all the of Charlotte papers up and down the East Coast because wrestling was huge back then, so big. So even the heels, all these men were heels, were um, were were uh, talked about, and you know this was a big deal that these wrestlers were in a plane crash, and so but the the card still kept going on. Um, but um, people started noticing, though, that um, what happened Wait to uh, a to, minute <laughs> to Tim Woods? Because the hell's uh, he doing there? Yeah, but Tim Woods, though, to protect the business, because again, <laughs> he was the only babyface on the, uh, on a plane full of heels. He checked in in the hospital under his real name, George Wooden, and listed his occupation as promoter. So when it came out in the papers, the wrestlers that were the people that were in the plane crash is a Dave Crockett promoter, Bob Brugger's wrestler, Ric Flair, Johnny Valentine wrestler, George Wooden promoter. And then Tim Woods. So was, people would not think that he was the Tim Woods. He put on his mask. And despite the incredible pain he was in, because he still had some really broken ribs, a bruised lung, he wrestled with his mask on as Mr. Wrestling to prove that there was no way he could have been in that plane crash because he wouldn't be able to wrestle. And people bought it. No one suspected anything else. They knew George Wooden, the promoter, was in that plane, but Tim Woods was not. And Ric Flair said in his book, and Jim Crockett, David Crockett, everyone agrees. If it wasn't for the commitment that Tim Woods had to protecting wrestling, to not breaking kayfabe, Tim Woods not only saved professional wrestling in the Mid-Atlantic area, he saved professional wrestling altogether. Because if that story had gotten out that Tim Woods, a babyface, it was in a plane crash with all these heels, in a, a territory that each slept and breathed professional wrestling, we would not have seen the the Mid-Atlantic thrive the way it did after that. As we know, Ric Flair became the biggest star there, and that brought in other big-name talent 
to the Mid-Atlantic area. Greg Valentine, um, Ricky Steamboat, Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, Buddy Rogers made his return to wrestling in the Mid-Atlantic area. Ken Patera, the money that they made, the Anderson brothers made, being the NWA Tag Team Champions, they were so popular in the Mid-Atlantic area that they made their version of the NWA Tag Team Championship the World Tag Team titles. Uh, but that would not have happened if not for the commitment of Tim Woods. And that happened for that plane crash October 4th, 1975. And in the 90s, it was all thrown away. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all gone. Sport entertainment. <laughs> sport Who the hell is Mr. Wrestling? It was Tim Woods, but yeah. But um, yeah, big day in professional wrestling history that I overlooked. I apologize. October fourth, October fourth, nineteen seventy-five was a very important day in professional wrestling history. You're hired again. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is the wrestling historian. And you can follow me and Amber if you want on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Follow me on Twitter and all social media platforms, DanLaw83. If you are on your smartphone right now and you're like, wait, the show's over, how do I listen? Go to your podcast app, type in the HIAC Talk Radio Network, and find all the shows, all the episodes. Uh, the Pelicans are on t- are losing to the Sixers 6-9. Six to nine. Uh, that's a pretty hot number. Uh, anyway, I have a sports sticker on my podcast streams now, so I can actually see the scores of the games. Uh, Flyers are up two one at the end of the first on the Bruins, and that's with Martin Jones in the in the net zone. But anyway, if you go to any your whole podcast, uh, any predictions for Bound for Glory? Yeah, Sammy Callahan won't be there, and I'm happier than a pig and shit that he won't be there. <laughs> uh, well, let's take a look at the Bound for Glory card. Real quick. Dun, 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 I don't know why I was singing the Bonanza song. Yeah. Okay. Let's get there. Hold on. <laughs> he just said, <laughs> he's LOL. Uh, John Schuyler versus Grace Steve versus uh, Falaba versus Jordan. Oh, Jordan Grace is winning that. Over Chelsea Green and uh, Tino Dashwood. Christian Cage versus Josh Alexander. Cage Cage uh, retains. Mm-hmm. Deanna Prazzo versus Mickey James. Ooh, for the Impact Knockouts Championship. Oh, uh, man. I'm going to say reten- retention. Uh, Rich Schwann versus Brian Myers versus Moose versus Morrissey versus Chris Sabian. Versus 15 other to be announced call a shot gauntlet match. I'm going to say it's one of the 15 not announced. Okay. Uh, Trey Miguel versus Steve Macklin versus El Fantasmo. The three-way final tournament for the X Division, for the vacant X Division. I think they're going to go with El Fantasmo as the champion. DK, Havoc and Rosemary versus the debuting Formerly known as Iconics. Ooh. Called the Inspiration. And I'm going with my ladies and the Inspiration. It's got to be. 
tag two eyes. You get two eyes in inspiration. Yes, inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> like iconic. Iconic. Or or uh, inspiration. That was too English. I can't do it. Inspiration? Question mark? Inspiration? <laughs> Heath and a, a partner to be named later versus Violent by Design, Eric Young, Diener, and Joe Doring. I'm going to say it's Heath and his tag team partner. I'm going to guess it's Rhino. That's just me. The Good Brothers versus Finn Juice or the Bullet Club. For the Impact World Tag Team Championship, uh, I think the belts are going to change hands. Uh, and I will say this, um, for obvious reasons, I won't I won't get into them with new viewers. I'll let I'll let Victor Nash, you know, watch a few times before I totally crap on the reason I don't watch Impact. That's because I'm used to be this way. Um, uh, not time after this one. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Thanks a lot. Great shows. Thank you. Uh, I haven't forgot we're in the outros, but I just wanted to finish this thought. Um, David Finley, uh, the offspring of one fit. Yes. Good to see him wrestling. Uh, I think mm -hmm. he's a very good wrestler. He chip off his father's off. I watch all wrestling. I do too, but uh, I'll explain at a later date if you're around why i try not to give impact a lot of ratings well i'll tell you right now they employ someone that used to beat up on my friend when they were married and i don't think yeah that's just the line i draw mm -hmm. nothing personal you can watch you watch all wrestling i encourage watching all wrestling me personally i hold off on impact unless it's the ladies show yeah um because right now they still have a competitive sometimes arguably better uh, uh women's division than the ones that are uh, competing for under a million ratings on the big camera. Um, but yes, as I was saying before, Victor Nash wanted some predictions. It is Sammy. <laughs> Very good guess, Victor. I kind of, I kind of mentioned it, referenced it, and then kind of let it go and then re-referenced it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing personal except for Sammy. Um, but we thank you for coming. Uh, please, like I said, go to all your podcasting apps, whichever one you have, I mean, and hit mm -hmm. subscribe or watch us live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook every Wednesday night at 8 or go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Degree. see the highlights because we're damn funny. Yes, when we want to be. Yeah, when we want to be. Today, I wasn't feeling so funny. Uh, I'll be okay next week. But thank you, everybody. <laughs>